All right, now let's turn our attention to Hebrews chapter 3. If you found that, why don't you stand? We'll read together God's Word. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 3, I'll start in verse 7, and we'll read down to verse 19. Hebrews chapter 3, the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the Word of our God stands forever. Let's begin verse 7. <clears throat> Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your heart as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation, and I said, They always go astray in their hearts. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil and unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin, for we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. As it is said today, you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all of those who left Egypt by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they should not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see they were unable to enter because of unbelief. Join me as we pray. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you will minister to the hearts of your people. We've gathered today to sing and to worship, to pray. You've granted grace for us to do that and now give us ears to hear the voice of God. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> well done and well done, good and faithful servant. Isn't that what you want to hear when you die? Well done, good and faithful servant. Tonight, we were last night on earth, and you died and went to heaven to be judged, or you went to the judgment seat. Is that what you would hear? Or would you hear, to your astonishment, depart from me, I never knew you. When the Apostle Paul was writing as an old man to his young protege, Timothy, Paul didn't have long to live. He told Timothy, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. I wonder how many of you kept the faith. Are you actually fighting sin? Are you fighting temptation? Are you pushing back darkness? Are you keeping the faith? When you fill out a survey and the survey asks you what religion you are and you put down that you're a Christian, are you actually keeping that? The faith that you claim to belong to. That's the danger. That's the danger that the people that got this letter for the very first time were facing. The original readers, Hebrews, 
When they received this, they were tempted to fall back into their old ways of living. Now for them, that was being Jewish. If they would fall back into being Jewish, what would happen is it would be better off for them. It's much easier to fit in. What was true then is also true now. Temporary comfort. Temporary comfort, physical safety, social acceptance can only be bought at a price of spiritual disaster. You and I need to probably go ahead and face it right now. We will never fit in. And what I want to do today is use this passage, just a few verses from the Bible. I just want to use that, what does God say here, and maybe help walk you back from the edge of disaster. Every person in here, every one of us is capable of falling off into the deceitfulness of sin. You know, Facebook is a funny thing. I don't check it much. I do from time to time, and uh, I don't know the algorithm. I don't know why I see the people I see that pop up on when I turn it on. I don't know why. Man, I don't even care why. But Facebook keeps you connected with people that you probably are not connected with, maybe from your past. I grew up here in Charlotte, went to Bain Elementary, Northeast Junior High, and Independence High School. Been around here a long time. Still have lots of people that I knew in high school from the area. I see them on Facebook. We're not in touch anymore. There's one guy in particular that I see him post, and I remember when we were in high school together. You know, when you're a Christian in high school, it's hard, and it's, you, you, you feel lucky if you've got a, a Christian friend or two. I remember having him as a friend in high school, going to church here. I hadn't seen him in years, and I see him post on Facebook. And, and if his postings are accurate, I can't help but wonder what happened to that guy's Christianity? I don't want that to happen to me. And I certainly don't want it to happen to you. See, right here in front of us is a warning. This is a warning to believers. This is written not to unbelievers. It's addressed to brothers and sisters. And it's a call for all of us, all of you here, you're a Christian. It's a call to stay in the fight, to keep the faith, to finish the race. Here at Hickory Grove, we believe that you are saved by God's grace through faith in what Jesus has done. It is God who saves us through the faith we've put into the life and death of Jesus on the cross and the resurrection. We believe that's how you are saved. What God has done, God has done, but there is now... For me and you, there is a call that is vital for us to hold firmly to what it is that God has given us. And if we do, we believe that by God's grace, I hope you can believe that by God's grace, you can finish strong. By God's grace, I want you to finish strong. I want to finish strong. By God's grace, you can finish. How do we do that? Let's go to the Bible and see what it says here. What is this passage? What are the, what are the things that the writer gives us that, we, that will help us to finish strong? Here's the first one. Number one, we are to love 
the Bible. You and I need to learn to love the Bible. Notice what verse 7 says. Really, it's verse 7 through 11 as he quotes the Bible. <clears throat> but in verse 7, look at the introduction. The preacher says in verse 7, Therefore the Holy Spirit says. Now, keep looking at it. After saying, therefore the Holy Spirit says, the preacher is going to quote Psalm 95. It's probably in block quotes in your Bible. And he quotes Psalm 95, which is the story of Numbers 14. We'll get to that. But what the preacher is saying right there in verse 7 is that Psalm 95, and by association, Numbers 14, that is the Holy Spirit talking. Verse 7, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says. And he's claiming that Psalm 95 is the Holy Spirit talking. God speaks. You know what he's giving us there? It's the same thing Peter said when Peter describes how do we get the Bible, what, how do we understand God speaking to us in the Bible. And Peter said in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21, here's how we know. Men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Right here is the doctrine of inspiration. Here is why we believe in inerrancy. This is why we believe in the infallibility of the Bible. This is why we believe in the authority of Scripture. This is why we hold up in the centrality of a worship service, the sermon that is based on the Bible, because we believe that when the Bible speaks, God speaks. The only hope for us to last, the only hope is for us to hear His voice. His voice, we hear it when we read the Bible. To know what God wants, to what He wills, what does God demand, we need to hear the Word and know the Word and learn the Word and believe the Word and share the Word. We need to hear His voice. Look, you don't need me to come up on a Sunday morning and stand here and give topics and talk about topics or politics. I can't stand to hear a preacher preach about politics or, or stories or anecdotes or opinions. You know what we need? We need to hear His voice. As a church, we corporately, we need to hear, what does the Bible say? You as an individual Christian, you, privately, you need to know, what does the Bible say? We need to hear it uh, repeatedly memorized from our head into our hearts, down into our lives, intently. I mean, just, just look at this passage right here. Let's just take this for an example. You don't have to be a scholar. You just have to read it and start asking questions. Just look what we learned right there in verses 8 and following. I mean, in verse 8, well, for instance... In verse 8, we learn that our hearts are prone to be hardened. He says, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Well, he wouldn't have to tell us to, to not harden our hearts if we weren't prone to be hardened. We learn in verse 8 that we are responsible to fight against it. The command is, do not harden your heart. Your heart is going to be naturally hardened, and you need to fight against it. You, you read in verses 8 and 9, we understand that we inherit this tendency from our parents. Verses 8 and then verse 9 talks about our forefathers, as the writer says, your fathers for 40 years in the desert? We, we look in verse 9, we forget that, uh, that God, how good He is. Verse 9 gives us the description of God providing for them in the wilderness. We learn in verse 10, we find out that when you read verse 10, you find out that our sin provokes God to anger. Verse 10 says we, 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 we don't stray or we stray because we don't know God's Word. Verse 11 tells us that sin keeps us away from what God has for His people, His rest. The very best thing God gives is His rest. Verse 11, He says, I kept them 
they could not enter my rest because of unbelief, you see. The, the, and the preacher picks up the idea of rest from the Old Testament. He brings it into the New Testament and he says that rest is found in Christ and he gives us the gospel. A gospel that reminds us that God is a holy creator who created all of us in his image. An image of God in us has been disfigured because of our sin. We are separated from God. And the gospel teaches that God loved people so much he gave his only son, Jesus, who lived perfectly, died on the cross in the place of sinners, substitutionary atonement. God raised him from the dead, a sign of victory, and that it worked, that he accepted the offering. And the gospel says, if you put your faith, you believe in Jesus dying in your place. The gospel is a promise that you're saved. You see, by God's grace, you really can finish strong, but you're going to have to learn to... I'm asking you today to learn to love the Bible. Maybe you don't right now. But why don't you just, in your, underneath your breath to the Lord, ask God to give you a love for the Bible and get you a good Bible. You can pick one up in a bookstore. Maybe you can download one on your phone or your iPad and, and read it with your discipleship group. We, we need to, and you may be saying, look, I, don't, I just don't like to read. I can't retain it. I, my mind wanders. I, I look up. I have used all of those excuses. I've certainly heard them all, but I've used them myself. You and I must acquire a taste for the Bible. Look, if you... If you can acquire a taste for Diet Coke, how you people drink, if you can acquire a taste for Diet Coke, you can learn to love the Bible. We need to love the Bible. Let me give you something else there. Here's the second point to see, down in verse 7. Number two, how do we, how do we finish strong? Number two is we, we don't procrastinate. You feel it in verse 7? You hear the urgency? Notice what it says, today. Look at verse 7. Today, if you hear his voice. Come down the page, verse 15. Today. If you hear his voice, look over the page, chapter four, verse seven. Today, if you hear his voice, the voice of God is speaking now. How is he speaking? From the Bible. Today, if you hear his voice, the command is don't harden your heart. Don't rebel. Don't resist. Don't dismiss. Don't downplay. Don't, don't ignore that conviction that you sometimes feel. Don't ignore that. Don't rationalize. Here's what we, we're really good at, rationalizing. Or having a conviction and then putting it off. Don't put it off. I mean, you see what this is, right? Don't avoid. This is a warning of judgment and a promise of grace. A warning of judgment and a promise of grace. To, to harden your heart means to disobey the voice of God. To harden your heart means to disobey what the Bible has said and then act in accordance with your own selfish will and desires. I mean, just take the three times the author's pounding today, today. Three times it's quoted, multiply that by the phrase hearing today. If you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. And if you read from, from verse 8 down to verse 11, it's the story of Israel and he's saying, don't do what they did. The Old Testament is, read, is written for our instruction. So the preacher reaches over there and says, look over there. Don't do what they did. Learn from them. Look, this is an important warning. Because our hearts are fickle. 
our hearts, even as believers sometimes, we, in our unguarded moments, let's talk about what it means to, to have a hard heart. Sometimes we get a picture in our minds of what a person with a hard heart is. If you, if you said about a, a, a guy, that, you know, that guy's got a hard heart. Or if you said about someone, she's got a hard heart. I can envision like a lady with a hard heart is like, like Cruella DeVille riding down the road with a long cigarette taking puppies to the dog pound. Hard-hearted woman. And we all sort of get a, envision what a hard heart, but the, we don't realize that you can have a hard heart. You, you think a hard heart looks like something. The truth is a hard heart is, is undiscerning and unthinking and disobedient. A hard heart is, is indifferent. A hard heart is flippant. The, the things of God that have such gravity you just don't really matter. A hard heart can even be nice. You can be nice and have a hard heart. A, a hardness of heart is not reflected so much in the tone of your voice as it is in the validity of the truth you hold on to. The hardness of your heart is not necessarily the tone of your voice. It's what is it that you're holding on to. I mean, I mean, even Satan has a good singing voice. The call here is to, to not procrastinate. You hear what it says? Today, today, if you hear his voice, if God is using the word. So, for instance, let me ask you a couple of questions by way of conviction. What do you today, what do you need to quit. You've been coming to church, you're a Christian, you, you read the Bible from time to time, you feel there's, a, there's something, there's a sin in your life that is a besetting sin, and you actually just, you just need to quit it. As a Christian man, you just need to stop that. What do you need to quit? Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. What do you need to start? So as a Christian, you, you sense the conviction from time to time. God, when you read the Bible, you hear a sermon, you think, I, need to, I actually need to do that. The Bible says that if you know the right thing to do and don't do it, that's sin for you. What do you need to start? Who, maybe it's a who, who do you need to talk to? Maybe it's been a strained relationship or a broken relationship or a brother that has offended you or you have offended him or a sister and you've just been avoiding it. The church is big enough. You can actually sit on different sides or go to different, go to different services or go to a different church altogether and just been avoiding, but right now you've been reminded, <clears throat> who do you need to talk to? Or maybe, maybe it's someone you need to stop talking to that you've been talking to, and you know that's probably a dangerous conversation, and the truth of the matter is, as a Christian, you don't need to do that, and so the best thing for you to do is, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. By God's grace, you can finish strong, but you're going to need to love the Bible and quit procrastinating. I think there's a third thing here for us to take a look at. You'll find it down in verse 12. Number three, you need to guard, guard your life. Verse 12, you can split it up like this. Verse 12 is looking inward. Verse 13 is looking outward. Let's first take a look inward. Verse 12. <clears throat> Notice the preacher's concern for his people in verse 12. Notice the affection. Take care, brothers. Lest there be in any of you an evil, un, it's a strange phrase, evil, unbelieving heart. We don't see that again. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to apostatize, to, to fall away 
from the living God. Remember, this is the Christians. Don't think now. Don't think that it won't happen to you. Don't think just because you've been coming to church all your life and here you are, even through the pandemic, you kept coming. Don't think that because you're on a church roll or you've been baptized or you show up on Wednesday nights. Don't think. I mean, you know what you have here? It is, it is a pastor speaking to his people. It, it is a, an acute realization of the condition of the human heart. Our, my condition, your condition. The little phrase, take care, it's the Greek word blepe, it has some intensity to it. It means to watch out. Take heed because even the best of Christians need to be cautioned against the worst of evils. Here, here is you taking care, great care of your own personal spiritual life. A careful watching over your own soul. This is you paying particular attention to your spiritual temperature. To, to take care means to, um, to consider deeply. To consider whatever particular danger you might be in. To consider the danger so you can then know how to oppose it. Take care means to be, to be ready to stand guard. I mean, I mean even the way that, that the phrase is built... Even the way it's spoken, there's, there's respect and humility there. There's this deep affection calling our attention to the fact that, um, that there is sin in our own heart. Before we ever look at somebody else, we, we need to take care here. It's, it's the understanding of, of living with humility and grace that we might not be separated from the living God. That there wouldn't be, I mean, the word he uses here is where we get apostasy, the falling away. Now, as people that believe in eternal security, we sometimes struggle with verse 12. This passage makes us uncomfortable, but it shouldn't. It's written to Christians that is reminding you, don't put your head to lay down at night on a doctrine. Let your, let your head and heart rest on the Bible. And what it's here, it's, it's here to remind us of the frailty of, us, of our own souls and our need for constant grace and, and humility for God to sustain us. We, we live in a world that we need the daily guarding of our hearts. I mean, certainly this is the very thing that Paul talked about in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. Remember what he said? He says, you are to... Examine yourself. Examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith. It's good. Test yourself. Or do you not realize, do you not realize this about yourself, that Jesus Christ is in you unless you actually fail the test? So I'll give you a couple of questions. Just a few. Do you believe in Christ alone for your salvation? Do you believe in his perfect life, his death on the cross as a substitute, the resurrection of Jesus, and that that alone will save you. If you do believe that, have you followed through and joined a church? Are you a member of this church? Have you, have you been baptized? That's part of what Jesus told the disciples. Make disciples, baptize them. Have you been baptized? Do you love coming to church? 
You love it? At home online, do you, do you miss being here? Should you be here today? Do, are, you fighting, are you fighting sin? How about other Christians? Do you really love other Christians? Have you ever even thought about your own, your own soul? Let's say you are a Christian. Have you really accepted forgiveness? If you're a Christian and you've sinned terribly and you believe that Jesus paid the price for that, you've asked God to forgive you, have you personally applied that forgiveness to your soul? Are you still carrying around guilt? How are you living with forgiveness? Do you love God? Do you ever read the Bible? When somebody meets you, how long will it take after being in your presence, how long does it take till they actually know you are a Christian? Now, none of those questions will save you. They are there to, to help diagnose. Why? So that we can guard our hearts and live by God's grace and finish this race well. How do we do it? We love the Bible. We don't procrastinate. Guard our lives. I'll give you a fourth thing to consider. Number four, it's right there in verse 13. Let's turn outward now. We need to take care of one another. Take care. This is why we gather together. This is why you don't stay at home and, and just watch online and do that by yourself. This is why you come in and you are a part of a congregation. I love verse 13. Let me read it. Let me read it to you. You follow along. But exhort one another. Verse 12 is inward. Verse 13, outward. But exhort one another. Every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Let's just systematically go through it to exhort one another. What is that word exhort? That word exhort is the Greek word paraclete. It is the same word we use to translate the Holy Spirit as a counselor. Here is the word that means a, a, a strong encouragement. It means to build up. It means to actually put strength into somebody. This is the word that describes a, a confident-hearted captain standing in front of his troops in the midst of a war, getting ready to lead them into battle, and giving them a speech that puts strength in them. This is what the church is supposed to do. This is where we gather together, not the bricks, but the people. So where you come in after you've been beat up all week long, and because of God's grace, through God's word, and God's people, we have strength put back in. Look at the frequency. Look again at verse 13. Exhort one another every day as long as it is called today. Here's the need for you and I to be connected to a body of believers. This is why you actually join a church and get involved and get to know people and them get to know you. This is the day-to-day -day encouragement that, honestly, this is the day-to-day -day encouragement that can stave off spiritual hardness that is brought about by sin's deception. Verse 13, sin's deception is what we're fighting. We, we need to be reminded every day, every day, every single day. I need to be reminded every day of God's goodness, of his unfailing love, of his grace to forgive, of his affection to heal you, of his mercy to sustain you. We need to be reminded of the, of the dangers. Verse 13 says, of the, of the deception of sin. Here's what sin does. You think it's just a little sin, but what you don't see is what's going to happen 
five or six months down the road when you do this. Who this is going to affect and how people are going to be hurt. And so as a, as a brother or sister, we're able to say to someone, look, if you do this, it's going to ruin your life. We, we encourage. Because, because the problem is, sin blinds us of the dangers that are right in front of us. The deceitfulness of sin makes it so that you mistakenly think that you are safe when you're actually sitting right on the edge of falling off into a world of pain. And the preacher says, this is what we do now. Number, verse 12, you look at yourself, make sure you're doing all right, and then you turn it around and you take someone, you find a brother or sister, exhort one of them, you put strength into another person. You make it so that you have a cheering ministry into the heart of a brother or sister. Look, we, we don't accept the pessimistic, we don't accept the depressing, pessimistic outlook for the rest of, that the rest of the world has. For us sitting here, when you're in Christ, for us to live is Christ, to die is gain. With Christ, things only get better. And for those that love God, everything that's going on works together for good. So what do we do? We, we speak that to one another. We speak uplifting words and we, we find a brother or sister. You need to find somebody, a brother or sister, and we decide we're going to build a fortress of joy inside that brother's heart so that their heart can stand up against, verse 13, the deceitfulness of sin. That's gospel encouragement. You know how you, you, know how you encourage somebody with the gospel? It's good of you when you send something to someone and say, look, I'm praying for you. It's even better when you, will, when you will text out the prayer itself and send that that says, this is what I prayed for you. That's encouragement. It's encouragement when you remind a sister, you remind her of God's care. Look, when she's walking through the, the valley of death, when you remind her of God's providence that that God is working in the good and the bad, that sometimes it's a smiling providence and sometimes it's a frowning providence, but it is all providence and He's there. When you remind somebody of God's mercy, that when they've sinned terribly and you come to them, they're a Christian, you, and you preach the gospel, you, the gospel is, is mercy. When you remind somebody that feels so lonely that they, in Christ, you've been adopted by God the Father through Christ the Son, you are part of a family, a church, remind them of of what Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross. And verse 13 says, you take, after ministering to yourself in verse 12, turn it outside to another brother or sister. and Help somebody finish strong. By God's grace, you can finish strong. How do we do it? We love the Bible. We don't procrastinate. Verse 12, guard our lives. Verse 13, take care of each other. I'll uh, Give you one last one and make it an exclamation point. Number five, that is we need to hold on tight. Hold on. It's going to take some effort on your part. Now, if you were to take this passage and you were to take, um, for instance, take verse 16 and 17 and 18. What you have there is three rhetorical questions with three answers. You can read it for yourself. Verse 16, 17, and 18, basically saying, that the people went out with Moses, they, fit, they, they, they started well, God did these wonderful miracles, in verse 16, but they didn't finish well. You read verse 16, 17, and 18, it basically is saying, 
starting well doesn't mean you're going to finish well. Then you drop down to verse 19. And in verse 19, we find out what the problem really is. Why don't we finish well? Why do people not finish well? Uh, verse 19 tells us the real problem is unbelief. They didn't trust God. There's a lot you can do, 16, 17, and 18. There's a lot you can do over here in verse 19. But what I want to do to close is call your attention to verse 14. There in verse 14, you have a great privilege and then a very clear command. Look at the great privilege first in verse 14. <clears throat> the Bible says, For we have come to share, what a great word, in Christ. That they were to share in Christ. It's the word to, to fellowship in Christ, to have a part, here's the privilege that you have when you become a Christian. When God saves you through faith in Jesus, what happens is now God, as God the Father loves God the Son, when you are in Christ, that's how God the Father loves you. You share in Christ, the righteousness of Christ, communion with Christ, a part of the body of Christ, the glories of Christ, the love of God, the Father that He has. What a wonderful privilege it is to share in Christ. That's the privilege. Then there's the command, verse 14. We share in the privilege if we take hold of the command. We have come to share in Christ if indeed, look at the words, we hold our original confidence firm to the end. Hold Firm to the end. You see, by God's grace, you can finish strong. If you're in Christ, you've been given a wonderful gift from God. A beautiful gift to share in Christ. Hold on to that with all of your might. Now maybe, maybe you're not sure Maybe you don't know if you have the gift or not. I would only echo what the preacher has said. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. You've heard his voice. Now receive his gift. Would you bow with me in prayer as we close out the morning and worship with your heads bowed this morning? We go to a time of prayer and meditation. For some of you, you'd like to, as we worship, our last worship song, as we worship, it's a great chance for you to sing with great joy of the goodness of God. That's how we want to close the day, singing out with joy. There are others of you that really, uh, you're left with a little bit of confusion. Our pastors are sitting down in the front row, as they always will be. They're, they're down here. If you'd like to come and sit and talk or walk over to the side, and let's have a, a longer conversation of what it means for you to receive Christ as Lord. Maybe in, um, maybe just in adoration and faith and prayer, you'd like somebody to pray with you or to pray for you. When we sing this last song, that is a really good time to respond. The rest of us, let's just stand and sing and honor God with all we have. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your grace. By your spirit, please, Lord, apply it to your people. Find us faithful to the end. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.